Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, I'm Rob Vanstone, and welcome to the, uh, I don't even know what number we're at. We're over 100. The latest edition of Rider Rumblings. I am here with Maria McCormick, and we are discussing a couple of topics today. Uh, lots of topics coming from this game. Uh, on Saturday, the Rough Riders defeated the Edmonton Elks 26-16. Not especially impressively, but they did it. And uh, they're now preparing to play in Montreal on, uh, on Thursday. We're doing this day early this week because Murray is flying out on Tuesday because of the uh, the short week. We usually record this on Tuesdays. And, of course, coming out of the game on, on Saturday as well was an ankle injury to Dan Clark. We do not yet know how serious that is, but the initial speculation is that it is not good. So um, what a bind they are in. Not, not only losing a player of that caliber at any time, but in a short week when there's only one practice during the week, what kind of predicament do you think the riders are in with this, Mer? from so many perspectives? That's right. It's, I don't think they ever thought they'd be in traditions. Dan has been a bit of an Iron Man at his position too. Eh? Like He's missed a few games, but he's just always been that constant and stuff. And I watched him hobble out on crutches, and it's it's not good. I, I can't see if any any way he would play this week guaranteed. So you say that, it could be come on playing. He's a guy who came back from a car crash to not miss a game <laughs> in one season. But, you know, they've got kind of depth and have Logan Bandy can maybe play, can play center. He played a little bit in training camp and he filled in for Dan on Saturday night. They can move Logan Furland in there. Evan Johnson's a possibility, but then that means shuffling your guards. So, you know, how do you take to a solid position and make him room? So I, if I was a betting man, I would, bet Logan Bandy gets in there, you know, but still that's kind of the spot, but position wise, it's huge. I mean, he's never, he's never started. And all of a sudden you're asking him to call all the signals. I mean, wouldn't it be Furland simply because at least he's has, he had that one start last year in Hamilton and he has some experience. Wouldn't Furland be the natural fallback? That is a natural fallback, but still do you, do you shuffle another position to fill in that? So you create another hole, another position. But I agree. I, I think Furlan would be would be a good spot for him. But and Bandy can play there. But one of the things, and there's really, I don't think there's any replacing what Dan does in the locker room does for this team. He's such an inspirational leader, and he's grown into that role. Like just watching him, he's always kind of had a smile on his face all the time. He just loves doing the job. And even when he was trying to work his way through the media on Saturday night, you could he kind of looked up and just 
had a little bit of smile. But uh, Rob, I think I, I, I'm giving you more thought, and I sorry about that. Well, I think Furlan might be the guy that switches in there, and you play Bandy at guard and make it a little easier for a young guy to settle in. But just a, a huge loss, I think. And I think you and I both you, you saw the way that all the players from both teams went out and checked on Dan. And you see that sometimes, but. They knew it was serious, and they all every player was going. To, I just saw a couple of the uh, the Elks out there saying, you know, patting him on the shoulder pads and stuff. So it's a a big loss and a in a you know as we said a, a huge win and a big loss. And I don't know how you come out of that one. So this will be a tough one to see what they do because I don't. But I wasn't overly impressed with the offensive line on Saturday night. But I wasn't wasn't the end of the world. Natty Rogers had himself a should we say a game. Might be the way to describe three holding penalties and an objectionable yeah, conduct, and and uh, it just didn't seem to really do that well. So I don't know what's going to happen. They, they they can't make any changes because I mean the run blocking was yes, terrific. Was. I mean they they, they, they I mean Jamal Murrow wishes wishes for rushes. It's morning yeah. <laughs> rushes R U S H E S for 126 what? yards and Frankie Hicks and 32 yards on five carries. So the the offensive line did a terrific job with the with the running game. The pass protection wasn't what it was against against Hamilton in the opener. The Riders surrendered four sacks, and then there were there was a penchant for holding penalties and ones that took the Rough Riders out of field goal range on occasion. Uh, just the, the timing: three of them on Rogers, one of them on Taron Vaughn. Although the one on Vaughn was yeah, kind of that's what I did quick questionable still that offensive line the, the, the pass protection wasn't nearly what it was a week and even earlier. the touchdown they scored. even though Edmonton was off and rushing yeah, that was three. a weird and, and getting pressure on them with three like there was one I'm trying to remember the one player tried to find it but they had big time I think they got to Cody with three guys and they sacked him I went, holy smokes that was three-man pressure man that was strange call and really the, the touchdown pass that Cody threw to uh, Mitch Picton that was a lot to do with him with doing that nice little spinorama move to get open to the space does that it credits the offensive line? But that was a big, big time Fragardian spinorama move on there to get open to throw that pass to uh, Mitch Picton. So that was a lot of good. An interesting thing, and I know we're just kind of a new line in the stats. OC general, <laughs> did you see that? I, yeah, and uh, and uh, and uh, which is, but they're calling it a misconduct on yeah. the field, and then OC. Uh, in, in in the stats line, and and the Rough Riders are are, uh, I mean Derek Moncrief got three, three objectionable yeah. conducts or three three misconducts, and uh, I mean I'm, I don't think there's been three misconducts in one game in Alberta in a sporting event in Alberta since uh, the Battle of Alberta was yeah. at, at its apex, and uh, you know Moncrief uh, got himself kicked out of the game, and uh, there was a ridiculous call on. Uh, on Garrett Marino, not a ridiculous call from the standpoint that the, the, the officials aired, but Garrett yeah. Marino uh, turned a third and 12 into a third and two with an objectionable conduct penalty. And just, I mean, there's never a good time for those, but they're just, they were just so injudicious on you as far as what they were doing. And I realize football is a game of motion, emotion, but it's also a game of a controlled emotion. And, and the, the undisciplined penalties that the Rough Riders were taking were indicative of some of the games last year. Mm-hmm. And uh, and it is really worrisome when with this early in the season, the team can't get its uh, emotions controlled. And uh, uh, I mean that game that game was close for far longer than it should have been, uh, in part because the Rough Riders couldn't uh, couldn't 
conduct themselves with composure. And if they if they play like that, if they had they played like that going into a game against or during a game against anybody else, uh, it would have been as embarrassing for them as it was for the uh, BC Lions. It was was for the Elks to play the BC Lions, not necessarily a fifty nine fifteen, but the kind of kind of game where you just it just radiates uh, uh, ridiculousness. And that's what the riders are in for. If there's a, relapse. I meant to look this up, but unless they play, unless they do, unless they do it against Edmonton when they next. One play. of the things it was only a ten yard penalty too. Were you? Did you read that number and see that? I was up. That's always been a ten yard okay, penalty. Well, sorry, I thought it was objectionable conduct's always right, been sorry, ten. So, they even took a too many men. That's in the here, one. In, in here was, too. And, I, and the thing is, I never saw yeah. the extra guy trot off because I saw too many men. I was trying to count. I'm getting pretty good at counting to thirteen, folks. That comes from 2009. And I was trying to count them, but I never did count. Are you counting yeah. your hairs? <laughs> Sorry, nice bad joke. joke. Uh, you know, I, I think we, we talk about, I'm going to talk about Larry Dean a little bit, if I can. Oh, Holy my goodness. Holy smokes, yes, absolutely. what a game he had. What two games he's had. I just kind of quickly wrote down, he's tied for third in the tackles with the league with 14 now, defensive tackles, tied for third with sacks, two. He's, he leads the league in force fumbles with two. And he just all over the field. And I was when I was preparing for the podcast today, which basically means shaving and having a, and showering. How are they going to get Micah Tights back on the field I, after two games? I, I have, have no, no idea. idea. But Larry Dean, how do you put him back on the field? I don't know. Does he play special teams again? But Larry Dean is, and so Daryl Sankey's Darnell Sankey's the same way. But Dean has just been. And then they've got Moncrief. This is an amazing like linebacker. Moncrief second crew. leads the league in, in picks with two, and that was a great pick. And you know, like, and Sankey is as so, advertised. But Larry Dean, sorry, just, go on. I mean, just, he's been terrific. You and you talked to him right out of the gate at camp, and he's any concerns that or doubts that were were held about can he look like Larry Dean, the three time All Star, after missing a full season due to a Achilles injury? Those have been eradicated very quickly. What a man! That hit that he had on Arbuckle reminded me a bit of Eddie Lowe clobbering <laughs> Tracy Ham in the 89 West final at Commonwealth Stadium. And that was such a game changer. And it should have salted it away, but then the Rough Riders uh, missed a field goal yeah. to give Edmonton additional life. And I'm not even pinning that on Brett Lothar. Uh, it was symptomatic of the kind of night the, the Rough Riders had when Brett Lothar misses a field goal that, that could have put a game away because he's so good in the clutch. But uh, he'd made 19 in a row before that. But the Rough Riders seemed, seemed just determined to do everything possible to keep throwing life preservers uh, toward the Eskimos. Uh, I knew I was going to do that toward another, the Elks. Just another quick point. And, uh, but Larry Dean, just, oh, what a play. Just He looks like he's 25, not 33 going and on And let's 34. remember, this is a different position for him. I know he's played, he's played middle linebacker his whole career, and he's playing a new position. Another interesting stat, and I don't know, maybe you can give a stats guy – he hasn't missed a game yet, and he's played in the CFL. Does that season, because he was away, count as a missed game? He hasn't missed a start. Uh, yeah, it would count as, well, 14 yeah. of them. But and, he's, uh, and, uh, but that's amazing. You know, he, he doesn't miss a game, but then he gets hurt in an informal yeah. workout, misses an entire yeah. season, and now he's back. And my goodness, uh, that's just, uh, it's amazing what he is doing. And uh, uh, I think I'm going to. Talk to Mr. Dean on Tuesday in your absence because you'll be flying to Montreal while I'm doing all the dirty work at. Uh, I'm just crossing my fingers I can get through Pearson Airport without any incidents. It's uh, a. Oh, good luck! I got an hour and a half. I could go on a Pearson ramp, but that's a different. That's a different uh, podcast. I have an hour and a half layover in Toronto, so hopefully I have enough time. But 
No, you've got uh, about a day and a half layover in Toronto now. Yeah. <laughs> Good luck getting to Percival Molson Stadium by no, Thursday it, at 5.30. It's not football, but boy, it is a little stressful flying just because you're worried about everything working out. And people are just not happy. It's just sort of a, we're flying to get someplace. Yeah, we're not flying because it used to be a, a moment of, you know, things. There's there's some days when you wish that Orville and Wilbur had just decided to go fishing. <laughs> But it's still it's still an amazing thing. I mean, what a tall order facing this cool. team, though. Uh, I mean, one day of practice, an absolutely key member of your team goes down, so it's an emotional. It's an there's an emotional toll as well, and you're playing a team that's just sitting there and waiting for you, and uh, has got to be just champing at the bit to play after the manner in which they they lost that game to Toronto. So. Um, if they can go there and win, this is one of the more miraculous rider victories I will have ever seen. When you look at the circumstances that are just, it was, a, it was an, a, there was adversity facing this team just because of the nature of the, of the yeah. scheduling. And now with the injury to uh, Dan Clark, if they can tape this together and even make it close, I think hats off to them. Yeah. And I, am I writing them off too, uh, I don't too think quickly? It, I think is, I, I can actually kind of, in a minor way, explain. I kind of know my body feels after flying to Active Regina yesterday, getting up. My flight left at 11, getting up at time to be the airport, trying to recover one day, not getting back and flying again tomorrow. Your body just kind of feels a little different. They get charters, Yeah, they do. Though. They have it a little easier. <laughs> but they still, they probably didn't get home till like 2 or 3 in the morning on a Saturday, likely around, they left around midnight, you know, 2 or 3 or 4 o'clock in the morning. So it's it's going to be tough. I think it's the only point of their schedule that's really this challenging, though. I think this is one of their only spots, and I think they don't play that many Thursday night games. Adding to that stuff, you know, and after this one, they've got nine days to wait yeah, for their next for their yeah, next game. Nice so, um, but uh, it just oh, to to throw that much in. I mean, there's just so much to clean up after that. Edmonton well, that's game. another thing too. And uh, Rob, I'm gonna there's a 24 hour. You spend 24 hours thinking about the past game, and you move on to the next one. Excuse me. Now, this one, the media is going to want to talk about Saturday's game, and the riders are already already had to move on to the Alouettes game. So they're going to have to talk back about that, which is a little bit of a uh, a challenge. It kind of makes it tough for them. They're, they're moving ahead, and we still want to, media is still going to want to talk about the pass, and that, that makes it a little bit tougher. Yeah, but we get we get one day of access. That's, that's the reality so of the situation. Unavoidably, but that's... they've already moved on. They've moved on from this game. They've had to. They, had, they probably had meetings. They would have had meetings today. And then, you know, just do some some light stuff. And then tomorrow, be, I don't even know if it would be a real practice time. Maybe just a walkthrough. Because what can you do? And you don't want to get them tired. you got to get them off their legs, get them rested and stuff. But uh, what? I mean, yeah. I mean, the, sorry. It's, a, it's, a, it's a lot to throw in front of them. I mean, it's not like they're playing a real powerhouse yeah. in Montreal. But I just, my goodness, that was a, that's that's just so much to throw in front of a team. I keep repeating myself, but I'm. It might surprise us. I mean, I didn't think that the Rough Riders would be as ragged as they were against Edmonton. So maybe they'll come out against Montreal, and it'll be uh, it'll be fifty-one to two for the for the Rough Riders. You never know with the Canadian Football League, but this just seems to be as formidable a challenge as you can throw uh, throw at a team in short order. And I did some number crunching too. It, it just for the Rough Riders to be without their center for a, a pro, what is presumed to be an extended period is so rare. Like since nineteen fifty nine. So we're, there's been 63 seasons, including this one, since 1959, and eight centers have played in 57 of those 63 seasons. So it's been a 
It's been a bastion of stability, having that center as the linchpin. Very rarely do they have to deal with this because all rare is the season in which there's any kind of interruption with the continuity. I mean, from 86 to 95, Mike Anderson played every game at center. From 65 to 1970, Ted Ernest played every game. There was Neil Habig. There was Larry Bird. You go on Jeremy and on O'Day. and on. There's Dominic Picard. There's Jeremy O'Day. Uh, it's they've been they've they've had such reliability at center. And Dan Clark has been part of that succession of reliable players and tremendous players. And and it is so rare for them to be in a situation such as this. And now they have a short week in which to uh, to spin out of it. It's 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 really. There aren't many precedents for this in rider history because that sent as nomadic as the world of professional football is and as, as, as unpredictable as it is, if you look at rider history, they've always been able to say, okay, well, this person's a center. Everything else might be a mess, but this person's a center. Even when they were missing the playoffs every year, Bob Poley was a center from 79 to 84. You didn't have to worry mm-hmm. about that. And uh, and uh, and then Mike Anderson took over and et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but suddenly, this is a predicament that they've rarely faced in our lifetimes. That's, work. that's great stats work, Rob. I don't, people go into, how do you find that out? Like, how do you just say all in your brain? So that takes up that space instead of hair on your head? But <laughs> <laughs> well, mo- most of it's in my brain. And it just occurred to me the other day that this is an angle we don't really talk about that often. I mean, Dan Clark's missed a few games here and there, and, and, uh, and, and, uh, but they all do. But I mean, this, since, since 2015, you've comfortably been able to say more, well, far more often than not, Dan Clark at center. Uh, even last year when the offensive line was chaotic, uh, you could say Dan Clark at center. And he played through so many things last year. I, I mean, he was banged up last year, but he played and played and played and played well. And, uh, but, uh, there's a there's a line of succession at that, that position, and, and you can pretty much look at all of them and say Plaza of Honor, Plaza of Honor, Plaza of Honor, just right down the line, and uh, and Dan Clark will absolutely be in there one day, and that's what they're that's what they're faced with, and that's what they're trying to replace. And, and it just, yeah, I don't think you I don't think you replace them. You can just kind of fill. And it's, and it's going to be six to eight weeks at least, if not if I, if if there's a broken bone in there, or if it's even even in a badly sprained, it's no, it could be that's still six to eight weeks to recover from. So there's really no way of coming, of him coming back. But you know, as Chris uh, Craig Dickinson always says, "Next man up." Everyone says, "Next man up," and uh, you know, as there's next man up if you've got to find a defensive halfback on short notice. When you've got to find someone to replace Dan Clark, that's just not a that's not plug and play. Oh, what a predicament! That's I'm um, gonna- where do you think all this? I just wanted to Sorry. do a little bit, and I, I forgot to write his stats down. Uh, Mike Adams had a pretty good start to this season, too, I think. He's yeah. a little... Eight tackles the first game, and then his first pick on Saturday, his first pick since uh, October 20th, 2018. Yeah. So his last, and he had two picks that season. So his last three interceptions have been in games that have Chris Jones has been coaching for but one he's, team here's or the another other. Guy. Mike Adams has been tremendous. And you knew he'd be. He just said, be happy. He missed yeah. more. Well, half, so yeah, half seven games. He missed seven games with that broken, uh, dislocated wrist. But you know, there's another another guy on the outside, on the on, on the a little older player, a little more veteran player. And good for Mike. You know, he's uh, he's also one of those leaders. He's another guy. If some he gets injured, boy, it's there's bodies there, but you don't replace that type of uh, uh, leadership and what he does. Well, you look at solid guys on that football team, and there's a lot of solid guys. This is a really tremendous mm-hmm. group. 
you, I don't think there's many anybody on that team you can look at and say, I don't really think that much of that person. And there haven't always been teams like this. But uh, um, you know, Mike Adam is such a solid, solid guy. And you can utter reliability when he's in there. And, and uh, you know, it was, it was uh, he just, he can make plays in so many ways. And this defense is designed for players to make plays in so many ways. I mean, look at on Saturday, AC Leonard's dropping back in pass coverage a lot of the time, right? Um, uh, you know, you've got Mike Edda making a sack in the opener and then making, having an interception. He can go from making a play in the offensive backfield as he did in the opener to making a play 40 yards downfield, 50 yards downfield as he did in the, in, in the game on Saturday. That, that, that's the 60, 70 yard range of, uh, of, on the field where he's made plays. This so year. just before we really get close to the end, but, uh, well, how do you clean up the penalties, Rob? What what is what does Craig do? Craig says he's going to have a heart to heart talk with him. He had, I think, he had lots of heart to heart talks last year. I don't know what you do with Garrett Marino. You can't bench them because you don't bench guys at this level if you're taking penalties. You just try to get them to settle things down. Especially in a short week, you can't reinvent anything. So what, what in a short does a heart to heart say, hold- guys? Maybe clip together all of what those penalties, the consequences of those penalties. You know, especially that one goes from third and two to third and twelve, or third and twelve to third and two. And do you and you know, made the game? It could have been interesting if Nick Arbuckle could actually hit a receiver in stride. He had a pretty tough game finding receivers. He made a great pass down the sideline to Manny, but boy, he had some passes that were just to go. Wasn't even in the ballpark. That well, John Hodge on the three down on three down nation tweeted that they, he went eighteen minutes. That Nick Arbuckle went eighteen minutes without a without yeah. a completion on Saturday. And uh, but, wow, but. Uh, I'm going to draw a hockey analogy. The 82 playoffs, the Regina Pats had one of the all-time goon shows in the history of hockey and, uh, and, and were duly suspended and fined and there were several sanctions against them. But they felt persecuted by the officials at one point, which was a ridiculous contention. But that was the culture of the Regina Pats at the time. So they decided they were going to play turn the other cheek. And uh, this was during a playoff series. And suddenly, after being combative at the whistle every time, uh, and post whistle, and you know, often into an intermission. Uh, as soon as the uh, as soon as the whistle blew to end a sh- uh, shift, or puck went into stands, or whatever. As soon as the shift was over, as soon as the play stopped, they'd do a one eighty and back to the bench like robots. If that Regina Pats team can control its emotions when they were known to just completely combust, if on a dime they can make that turn after being this this goon show to conducting themselves like choir boys in, in, in the playoffs. If some, if, 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 if Bill LaForge was able to get into their heads in the 82 playoffs, that this, that you can turn the other cheek, surely Craig Dickinson could get through to these players. Yeah. Uh, it, I mean, it's an emotional game and, and, and there, there are impulsive reactions, but it can be done. I saw a hockey team do it. The last hockey team in the world that I would ever expect it to do that, but they did in the 82 playoffs. Not, they didn't sustain it, but they were able to do it for a game or two. <laughs> well, that's <laughs> then by the end of the season, they were all suspended again. But I, I understand that Derek Moncrief was suitably contrite after that. What he, what he cost the riders and, and maybe it's kind of one of those things because uh got a chance to see a rookie step up and then play. And don't get a U of a, a Yeah. And just, some, I kind of watched him some plays because as soon as I realized I, it was him, he's a U of a guy. I think some Alberta from Northern Alberta. 
Yeah, Jaden Delke. And it's like, what a predicament he, they, they, he'd been put in. I thought the I thought Edmonton is going to pick yeah. on him. Either they opted not to do it or they tried to do it and it didn't succeed. But the, the defensive performance was really not adver- you know visibly adversely affected by the absence of Derek Moncrief, which says something about J- J- Jason Shiver's scheme and says something about Jaden Delke. Yeah. Or maybe it says something about the uh, the Elks and uh, yeah, there. Uh, boy, how does Stephen McAdoo not go after that? Never, I don't think they went <laughs> once at him. Yeah, maybe they did, but Nick was probably you know? over through the receiver again. Nick Arbuckle. So was- I mean, I watched Ronnie for a lot of years, and any time that there was an injury in the secondary or in somebody else, there's Candy's tail. Uh, any time there was an injury in the secondary or anything, Ronnie would go after the next guy. I remember the '89 Grey Cup. Uh, Tiger Cats had an injury and suddenly Earl Winfield is playing defensive halfback. Earl Winfield, typically a receiver. If you look at Don Narcisse's touchdown in the, hi Candy, in the 89 Great Cup, it was scored on uh, Earl Winfield. Kent went right after Earl Winfield. How did the, how did the Edmonton Elks, Edmonton Elks, uh, not go after uh, uh, the rawest of rookies in that situation. I, maybe he was but that good to me. I think the riders, to a to a degree, scheme them scheme themselves a bit out of a predicament. But you just that that should be just easy prey for a for a I veteran watched, football coach. I for watched, a, for any football. I watched Jaden jog off the field. as happened to be in, the, in he's one of the last guys into the locker room, and just a smile you couldn't wipe off his face. There's a guy you know, dream you know, yeah. play oh, Commonwealth oh, cool. Stadium. For the team that you know, to the Rough Riders, beat the beat your home team you grew up cheering for. It was a pretty, uh, pretty cool moment. And now Samuel Emelis, who grew yeah. up cheering for the Alouettes, plays against Montreal yeah, this week. That's going to be interesting to see. So there's all sorts of heartwarming. I wish we, I wish we had an entire week to do advances for this Montreal game because there's so many issues arising from that Saturday game. Rob, I know I'm just gonna, uh, there's a, just a million. I'm just going to wrap up here with something. You've been jumping on the the. Uh, in-game interviews a little bit on Twitter and stuff on TSN. I hate But those. I will give them credit. They handled the Hall of Fame game very well. well I like the way the in- ones I saw, the in-game interviews, because that's what it's all about. The Hall of Fame game is a celebration of the past of the CFL, and I like the way they do that. But I'm with you on the in-game interviews. Like, they're just – there was this one I, – I was I, I fast-forwarded through on the game, but with uh, the Eskimos present, it just seemed to go on forever and ever. <laughs> it, may it may still be still on. Be on but. Anyway, uh, I have another interview to get to. So, Rob, want to outro us? Does this mean we're done? Does this mean we're through? Um, We will uh, reconvene next week to discuss the Riders game against uh, Montreal. And uh, honestly, who knows what we're going to (laughs) see from that one. After Saturday, I can't really call anything with any let's not confidence forget, or reliability. Rob. Not that I've ever been I've ever been a stalwart. Let's not forget they still won. <laughs> they they, they won still the they game, won the game by the way. The thing that kept scratching and my I, head and I got a few marks on it, but they still won the game and the, the whole you know, atmosphere and the whole feel of it is that they lost. And maybe that's And they won give them some credit. They won without Duke yeah, Williams. That's another and, and 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 a bit of a makeshift receiving core and Mitchell Picton with a with a very big touchdown in that situation. And a, and a two-point con- conversion to punctuate it. So there was that. There were five more sacks after having eight in the in the regular season opener against Hamilton. Uh, there were a lot of things they did well and a lot of aspects of that game that uh, were rather exasperating. But that's what makes the Canadian Football League kind of fun and kind of uh, and just interesting think sometimes. He, Cody completed the pass, Mitch. Wide open pass. But we know what happens in the CFL. Sometimes they don't get completed. 
you know, but I, I think Mitch has got the solid enough hands. What, what, a, what a great moment for a young guy who's just grounded out and waited and waited for his opportunities. And, you know, he gets a chance and he makes the big play and win, gets the game-winning touchdown. Great moment. His, his parents were in the stands. Yeah, and, and, his mom's and, always at every practice. His dad, too, <laughs> almost every practice. And he's such a good yeah. person. I had a chance to talk to Mitch. He prefers Mitchell. He said his, his his mom and his girlfriend both call him Mitchell, so he'd like to okay. be called Mitchell. Because I see it everywhere. My mom called me Robert. And uh, and uh, but man, what a I'm just I am so happy for him. You just can't help but be happy for such a, a tremendous guy. So um, there is that. Uh, and that was another pass exceeding 20 yards for Cody Fajardo. He also had a 36 yard to Shaq Evans, who made a Shaq Evans like mm-hmm. catch. Uh, so uh, the Riders for a second game in a row have been able to dent a rival secondary over the top, which was not their forte last year. Uh, my forte is certainly not wrapping up a podcast several minutes after you <laughs> suggest it. So I'm going to smoothly, yet ineffectively segue into this outro that I'm under orders to read. Ahem. If you enjoy the podcast, please leave a review and a five-star rating. Give us a 10-star rating if you would be so kind. It helps us grow the podcast. You can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Why do all these things, regardless of the outlet, always say wherever you get your podcasts? That seems to be the <laughs> mandatory phrasing. If you'd like to send us a question, you can email Rob at rvanstoneatpostmedia.com and we'll read it on the show, which is available wherever you get your podcasts. You can follow me, Rob, on Twitter at Rob Vanstone or Murray at Murray LP. Murr, thanks so much for uh, doing this as always. Thanks so much for everybody to... Uh, uh, for for listening or watching or whatever, uh, however you happen to follow us. For Murray McCormick, for Candy, for Creed and Martell, our fine producer. I'm Rob Vanstone. Thanks for your time. Take care, and we will do this again next week. Bye.